Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, last week, Christmas came early. And John Smith reminded us that the gift of Jesus Christ is not just for the 25th of December, but for every day of our Christian lives. There's some truth in the wizard's song, I wish it could be Christmas every day. Because every day, as Christians, we have the potential and the privilege of getting to know a little more about God's greatest gift, his son, Jesus Christ. And through his grace and through his Holy Spirit, we can unwrap a little bit more of this gift every day in our walk with Jesus and understand and learn to love him more. I wonder this morning, how far are you, how far am I, prepared to go to seek out Jesus? The Magi, or wise men, traveled thousands of miles to see the king of the Jews. They sacrificed their time, their money, their family situations, and potentially their safety to do one thing, to worship Jesus for who he was with joy and to bring to him things of value. God is more than worthy of the best that we can bring him. And yet, we can bring delight to him through our worship, as we've already done this morning. So we've been led in worship, bringing delight to God, because God inhabits the praise of his people. Christina Rossetti's famous poem turned Christmas hymn in the bleak midwinter captures the essence of true worship. What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what I can, I give him. Give my heart. Now, today, unless you're going on a, on a pilgrimage, which uh, many people go on and, and get a lot out of, we actually don't have to travel thousands of miles to meet with Jesus. And yet, in one sense, we may have a long way to go before we can truly give our hearts before we can open our treasures to him, before we can bow down in worship of him. Have you got treasures this morning that you're perhaps holding on to and not prepared to give? Later in Matthew, in chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, we read the following words. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I can see Sheila smiling because she knows what's coming. These verses have recently taken on a new significance in our household. Because three weeks ago, Sheila and I discovered that our good quality, expensive, woolen, sitting room carpet was being systematically eaten by moth larvae. And underneath rarely moved items of furniture, whole sections of carpet were beginning to disappear. Literally stripped bare, destroyed by moths. We didn't panic. Not much. Within 24 hours, the carpet and underlay were in the skip. The bedroom furniture had been moved and the upstairs carpets inspected for further possible damage and lots of hoovering had taken place. (laughs) Fortunately, everything seems okay upstairs. We did find the odd moth, but no sign of the larvae. But downstairs, we no longer have a carpet. We have a stripped wooden floor that's been sanded and varnished and now we're just looking out for the woodworm (laughs) where is your treasure this morning hopefully ours wasn't in the carpet the treasure belonging to the magi was given directly to Jesus as an offering They didn't hold on to their gifts. They didn't hold on to their treasures. If and when we open our treasures to him, we are in effect storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Though obviously that's not the motive. The motive should be simply to bow down. We bow down and confess you are Lord. In this place, we bow down and confess you are Lord in this place. That, that's our motive, isn't it? We bow down and confess. The Magi understood that. The Magi understood the simplicity of true worship. And although we don't know much about them, most scholars believe that they were non-Jews. Some readings say they might have been Jews, but most, I think, scholars say they were non-Jews. But they would have had access to Jewish teaching, probably through the um, exile of Jews in previous decades. And it's so fitting that these men from faraway lands recognized Jesus as the Messiah when most of God's chosen people in Israel did not. And Matthew in his gospel is showing that Jesus is king, not just of Judea, but of the whole world. And some scholars 
say that the Magi were actually each from a different land, symbolizing the whole world coming to Jesus and bowing before him. This idea fits with the purpose of Matthew's gospel, namely to prove that Jesus is the Messiah, the eternal king, the universal king. And in our reading that Chris brought us, Matthew paraphrases words from the prophet Micah, written seven centuries earlier, to show that this ruler and shepherd of the people of Israel, Jesus, would actually come from Bethlehem in Judea. And it's also worth looking in this reading at what I want to call the clash of the kingdoms. Because it's a reading, isn't it, that contains a lot of darkness and a lot of light. There's evil, scheming, secrecy and plotting on one side. And there's worship and light and stars and adoration on the other a clash of the kingdoms. For in the earthly sense, King Herod, known as Herod the Great, was a powerful and ruthless king over all four political districts of the land of Israel. He had quite a track record, did uh, Herod. He murdered his wife. He murdered his three sons, his mother-in-law, his brother-in-law, his uncle, and many others. And that's before he's even uh, slaughtered all the babies in Bethlehem in the, in the slaughter of the innocents. Herod, he's not a nice guy. And of course, he's not the rightful heir to the throne of David. And so, as verse 3 describes, he was disturbed by the news of a new king of the Jews. Herod had an interesting relationship with the Jews. And as a non-Jew, many Jews would have been unhappy with him being in power and having authority and rule, seeing him as a usurper. And a new king of the Jews would present a direct threat to his power and his authority. Also, he wouldn't want the Jews to have a new figurehead to uh, rally around. He didn't like the threat at all. But at the same time, Herod did some things that were popular with the Jews. He made a big contribution in supervising the renovation of the temple, making it uh, bigger and more beautiful um, than it had been before a work that began during his reign and concluded 68 years after his death. That's some renovation project. So you could say that uh, Herod was a bit of a, a political opportunist. How times have changed. And in this um, clash of the kingdoms, Herod's rule was characterized by fear, murder, Greed, ostentation, and self-interest. He was also a liar, telling the Magi that he too wanted to worship the king of the Jews, when in fact we know he wanted to do one thing, eliminate the threat. He wanted to kill 
the king of the Jews. That's Herod's rule, Herod's earthly rule. Jesus, on the other hand, his rule, it's completely different. It's the antithesis. Yes, a Messiah was expected, and we, uh, uh, the reading alluded, didn't it, to words from the prophet Micah written centuries before. So a Messiah was expected by the Jewish people. But he was not going to be a political freedom fighter releasing Jews from Roman oppression, as many thought. In fact, he was not going to be an earthly king at all. Matthew shows us that the Messiah was sent to be a heavenly king with a kingdom which would be much greater than David's because it would be a kingdom that would never end. And it's a kingdom beyond geographical boundaries. The majority of Jews rejected Jesus because he was not what was expected. And yet, ironically, Jesus was sent to deal with the worst form of oppression of all. What's the worst form of oppression of all? Is the one greater than political oppression? Yeah. The oppression caused by sin. And to this day, which is why you're here this morning, and why I'm here this morning, Jesus comes and is setting his people free. Yeah. Standing in the gap to reconcile man to God. So what rule do you want to live under? An earthly rule, earthly rule promises some things, temporary things, but not everlasting things. Or do you want to submit yourself to heavenly rule? Heavenly rule promises eternal things, lasting things, worthy things, hence storing those treasures up in heaven as though we can use them later on. Be good. And finally, because I've been told to keep short this morning, I want us to consider the nature of the gifts that the Magi brought to Jesus and reflect on what they can tell us about our attitude to Jesus. So gold. Gold for a king. And gold symbolized virtue as well. Do we recognize Jesus as our heavenly king? And if we do, are we prepared to trust him with the rule of our hearts? Second gift, frankincense. That's the, frankincense, that's the tree from which the, the resin is, is taken for frankincense frankincense for God it symbolized deity God and prayer because of incense rising like prayer 
Do we acknowledge Jesus as one with the Father and with the Spirit as God? Do we speak with him and allow him to speak to us? And finally, myrrh. A spice for someone who's going to suffer and die. And it's good in our worship that we had that great hymn, didn't we? You know, it's, it's such a great hymn because it captures Jesus' sacrifice. And it's good that we've had communion because we've been thinking about his broken body and his shed blood so that we might be set free and cleansed and healed and brought, as Don said, into unity. Do we remember Jesus' suffering and his sacrifice? It had to happen, didn't it, to bring us back into a relationship with God. All three gifts are important. And I think we need to uh, think about them as a whole. I I once did a talk in a church where I had some juggling clubs. (laughs) And one was gold. And I was talking about the gold and, you know, throwing the club. And then one was frankincense and one was myrrh. And then at the end, to demonstrate that we need to think about them as as a collective, I started attempting to juggle all three clubs. I think it'd be a bit dangerous and it wouldn't be fair on people in the front row to do that uh, this morning. But they're all important, aren't they? Those three symbols are all important and they give us a full picture of Jesus. So to conclude, how far are you prepared to go to meet with Jesus this morning? The wise men travelled some considerable distance. Where does your treasure lie? Can you give Jesus your best? Can you open your treasures to him? Can you put your trust in his heavenly rule? Or do you want to go after the earthly things? Does your relationship with Jesus reflect the gifts of the Magi? Jesus, the living king. Do you recognize him as one with God and pray? Do you think about his suffering and sacrifice which was there to bring you and me peace? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the Magi. Thank you for their wisdom. Thank you for their heart of worship. Thank you for what they have to teach us today about the simplicity of bowing down before you. The simplicity of just opening our treasures to you. Lord, sometimes we need help to be able to do that. And I pray that your spirit would be with us this morning to to help us to, to give to you what you deserve. To give our very best to you. Help us, Lord, not to hang on to treasures, but to to lay them at your feet so that you can use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.